Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Seven twenty WGN. I'm Lisa Dent. Tom Skilling is on the phone. He's going to join us in just a second. But I do want to talk about stink bugs. Do you have any ideas on how to get rid of them? Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. They seem to be making their way into my house. Are they making their way into your house? And by the way, uh, our conversation with Tom is always sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. Maybe that's what I need. Here's a deal. Climate change has something to do with the population increase of stink bugs. If you don't know what I'm talking about, they're like, they look like a, I don't know, a little army bug. That's, they look like they're covered in armor and they're gray and they're stinky and prime conditions for stink bugs. Tom Skilling, you might know about this. They're saying warm summers and wetter, more mild winters. And I do believe that's what you've been talking about. That's what we're experiencing. Yeah, you know, you know the the ability to uh, these uh, bugs to over over season, uh, over winter, as they say, um, is increasing. I've read that about a lot of species, and we're also getting species to move farther and farther north. You know, armadillos, for instance. Now, these aren't insects; they're animals, but uh, they apparently have made their way up into Missouri. I've read, uh, and used to be down in Texas and along the uh, you know U.S. Mexican border and so forth. But you know, as, as the climate warms, species are able to survive farther north. So that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, and you know what, Tom? I've talked to people who have hit armadillos in southern Illinois. Isn't that something? Yeah. Would you? that i it's something you know you you hear about species of fish showing up in waters that they never did before you hear that up in alaska and so yeah there's a lot tied to all this uh lisa you yeah, know you yeah. take the temperature you change these critters ability to move farther north very interesting and, and what is interesting is these are now weather stories because they're so closely related who knew that we'd be talking to meteorologists about bugs and the prices of fruits and vegetables but really it's all related yeah. these days tom yeah. skilling is our go-to guy from wgn tv and we've got some rain coming in right we do. And, and boy, you know, that's not a bad thing. Uh, this, this period, we've gone 15 days without rain, uh, except for five hundredths of an inch. So we've had all of uh, 4% our normal October rain, and we're not alone in that. You know, Steve Alexander of our news staff was uh, telling me about reports he'd received about barges stuck on the record low uh, Mississippi River. I had a fellow uh, who uh, reports for uh, downstate papers telling me the Illinois River uh, has been unusually low. And this is all the product of very dry weather that we've had. 77% of the lower 48 is uh, drier than normal, and some of it, a good part of that, is in some level of drought. We're not quite there yet, but it sure sounds like it from the river levels and all. But we do have rain coming, and uh, chances uh, that we'll see rain by nightfall are high. The rain's spreading north across the area now. And there'll be showers and thunderstorms tonight and tomorrow. Then it turns off when we turn cooler uh, later in the week. The jet stream's going to blow in from Canada. So we've got a couple of slugs of cool air, one coming Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the other one to hit Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. 
So uh, some real autumn-like weather uh, in our future, despite the warmth right now. And usually that uh, that rain followed by a cold snap or colder air creates some beautiful fall colors. Yes. Uh, well, that's that's one of the positives. Um, it, apparently, the moisture will aid. It probably led to the early onset of colors in some areas because uh, trees under stress, their leaves will turn color. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I've heard reports that uh, rain is not bad, although it knocks the leaves down. But to the extent you put a little moisture into these trees, um, you know, you can foster the, the color change, which is so beautiful and underway now in many parts of the area. And, Tom, is this rain going to be fast and furious where we're going to have issues with water seeping into our basement, or is it going to be a nice steady rain? Well, you know, I think it'll be pretty steady. There'll be moments when it could come down, Lisa. We may get anywhere from three-quarters of an inch to an inch and a quarter of rain. Uh, And there may be periods where it comes down hard, but um, it won't be, you know, it'll kind of come in in waves. And this doesn't strike us as a flash flood situation in any big way. Uh, You might get some pools of water steady there, but, um, you know, this is not the kind of flash flood situation that we think about where folks are dragging things out of their basement and hit with that mess. Right. Well, Tom Skilling is with us. You are always invited to ask us a question, ask him a question. I don't know anything about this stuff, but he certainly is the master when it comes to meteorology. Uh, 312-981-7200. And coming back, uh, he can break the news about the price of fruits and vegetables and why they may be going up, not just because of inflation, but first to check on what the weather is right now and traffic with Mary Vandeveld. Tom Skilling is joining us on 720 WGN. I'm Lisa Dent. And Tom, I know you've you've done some research. You've you've posted some stuff about the price of fruits and vegetables because of what is happening in California. And like I said, it's so odd that we turn to meteorology now to help us plan our finances and, and you know, give us a heads up on what to expect when it comes to what we're going to be buying at the grocery store in the next few months. Well, you know, it's interesting, Lisa, this uh, article from Reuters caught my eye. Uh, do you know that Southern California has had the driest three years in its history? Uh, they're in the midst of that right now. And, of course, water allocations off the Colorado River, which irrigate parts of Southern California, they pull groundwater up, too. But that's been uh, cut and is likely to be cut some more. So an article ran about uh, the trouble they're having with tomatoes and some other fresh vegetables. About a third of our fresh vegetables come out of California. Two-thirds of our fruits and nuts come out of there. So this is a big deal. I I didn't realize it, but 95% of U.S. tomatoes are supposedly grown in California, and uh, California accounts for 35% of the world production. So um, the, the USDA that keeps tabs on, uh, you know, crop yields has been reducing the uh, forecast of how many tomatoes will pull out. And uh, this is expected to drive the price of uh, tomatoes higher. So I think that's something to watch. And that's the last thing we need with, uh, you know, inflation already an issue across the country. So, Tom, let's go back to those tomato numbers. I had no idea we produce so many tomatoes in this nation where do we land when it comes to the production worldwide of tomatoes? Yeah, China apparently leads the pack in tomato production, and the United States is number two. But also in there are countries like uh, the European Union, Turkey, 
Mexico is one of the largest uh, exporters of tomatoes in the world. So, yeah, it's all tied together with this uh, this weather thing. And, uh, you know, climate change and the lack of rain and this drought they've had that has been persisting out west is is causing some issues with uh, water allocation out there. So that's something to watch. They had only about a third of their normal snowpack uh, going into spring. And, of course, that, as it melts, provides a lot of the water that comes down and uh, helps farmers irrigate out in California. They also drill wells. But that groundwater supply is a finite supply, so you can only go so far with that. Uh, so it's it's one big interconnected ball of wax here. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm very thankful that I had a good tomato harvest, and they're all frozen and in yeah. the freezer. I didn't get around to canning them this year, but I find that they freeze perfectly well for chili or spaghetti or anything like that. Uh, I, don't you love tomatoes? I, yeah. You know, it's one of the joys of the, living here in the Midwest, we have such great tomatoes. And when they come out of a garden or off a farm, they're um, especially good. Although these hothouse tomatoes have gotten better over the years. They really have. Uh, can we? Tom Skilling is with us. Can we talk about Hurricane Ian for a moment? Is yes. it considered one of the deadliest? It is. Um, in fact, uh, from all accounts, it looks like it'll be the deadliest U.S hurricane that hit since 1935. And there was an interesting summary out from uh, Brian McNulty, who's with the University of Miami. He's a researcher, a tropical researcher. And he was noting that um, of all the landfalling hurricanes that hit the lower 48, uh, Ian will rank number five uh, in terms of its central pressure. And there's a relationship between the barometer reading in the center of a hurricane and the winds it produces but this storm was just devastating and uh, of course it was a direct hit on fort myers and areas like that and i guess uh, you know they upgraded their uh, building codes down there and the homes that have been built more recently that have tougher building codes uh, actually have done a pretty good job of surviving this storm as have some of the uh, coastal condos where there seem to be problems with mobile homes and homes on these barrier islands uh, but uh, also uh, homes that were constructed under uh, less strict building codes. So you can construct a building. Uh, you've got to site it properly. You shouldn't put it on an island that is there merely because of previous storms, like a barrier island. Those are those are issues. But um, you can construct homes that survive these storms uh, better. And, and that's why they look at these building codes so seriously. And with Hurricane Ian being one of the costliest hurricanes, they're identifying yeah. that as well. I feel that that's a cost we will all pay, whether we have the the comfort of living yeah. in Florida or not. Well, you know, the sad thing is, uh, and there have been articles to this extent, you know, retirees who go down there with fixed incomes and now find their homes gone and all. Uh, you know, it's it's a heartbreaking heart-wrenching situation down there. I also noted, uh, Steve Bowen uh, noted that a lot of folks who suffered water damage from these incredible rains, and these weren't necessarily just on the coast, they were inland areas, many of them are not covered by insurance. So, um, you know, how are they going to make good on this uh, as they look to rebuild their lives and all? It's it's a terrible situation uh, that's occurred down there. Uh, no bo- doubt about it, Lisa. Tom Skilling, we need that million-dollar forecast that you are well-known for. So what are we looking for today, tomorrow, the next few days, into next week? 
Well, we're going to see waves of rain, some of them, some of it thundery uh, through tonight and into tomorrow. Cold front goes through in the early afternoon. And beyond that, the rain should thin out. Uh, so uh, we need this rain. But it'll turn quite windy. There's a lot of wind in the forecast the next five days. Uh, winds will shift west, southwest, and then northwest uh, on Thursday and Friday. Friday, Thursday and Friday's highs will stay in the uh, 50s. Saturday pokes up into the 60s again, and a second slug of cool air comes in with gusty winds uh, on Sunday and Monday. Uh, and this air aloft is going to be very cool. So what sometimes happens Thursday and Friday in the middle of this cool air is while the skies will be partly cloudy, it'll be windy and cool overall, you might get some of these little instability showers to bubble up in spots in the afternoon. It could rain a little bit on Saturday ahead of the next cool spell as well. So it's real autumn weather. We've got the seasons fighting it out here, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Good to talk to you, as always. And, Lisa, you have a great day. Happy Tuesday. (laughs) It is happy after talking with you. Um, A few people sent in text messages about these stink bugs. I had one on the inside of my car window last night. How did it get in there? And like I said, people tell me that I'm bringing them in on wood. That's how they get in the house during the winter. But a few last notes on the stink bugs, because that's how we started the conversation with Tom Skilling. These are the tips. Do not squish them unless you want to smell that awful odor. And of course, if you squish them, it brings more stink bugs because they smell it as well. So what's the option? Trap and release them? Uh, I don't know if that's an option. You'd have to drive pretty far away, and I don't think I'm putting more stink bugs in my car. They said prevention is key, that stink bugs often slip into your home through cracks in your home's foundation and roof, and through gaps in windows, door frames, and screens, and they are very slow. Uh, but they get in. So they said, make sure your home is totally sealed. Take a little caulk or sealant and repair anything that needs it. Maybe that's a good question if you call Lou Manfredini on Saturday morning and see if he's got any options for you. If you have any other suggestions on that, leave us a voicemail or text us. The text number is 312-981-7200. Voicemail available 24-7, seven days a week. Anytime you want, I don't care if it's in the middle of Sunday afternoon during the Bears game, you can leave us a voicemail at 312-222-5050. Steve has your news coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom on 720 WGN. (laughs) 